Well, howdy. Well, it's good to have everybody today. So, now, I, I think I got a, a couple friends up here. Y'all good? Yeah? All right. Glad to have y'all with us today. Thank you for being here. Now, one of the things that I would like to kind of point out a bit to you is that oftentimes the things that are the most obvious are the things that we miss out on the most easily. Now, I was watching, a, there was a podcast that was coming out, and it was a Lutheran pastor that was asking a question, and he was saying, would a Lutheran, how would a Lutheran respond if they were asked, do you believe in Jesus? Now, I'm going to pause for a moment there. I'm going to say to you, how does a Lutheran respond if we say, do you believe in Jesus? That's great. That was five seconds. Okay, literally this whole 18-minute video just completely missed the point on that part. You see, what ended up happening is that they started going on about, you know, how responses are and everything, and the person might say, oh, well, I go to church. Well, Okay, and that's a good place to hear of the Word of God. And, well, I was baptized. Well, okay, good. That's the you know, beginning of a life of faith. But if a person says, do you believe in Jesus? If you, if you can't automatically say yes, then something may be wrong. And that's the thing with this, is, that, is realizing that the obvious part about our faith is oftentimes the thing that we miss out on the most. And I, I found that fascinating because I think that's also a big piece of what Lutherans struggle with the most. Out of all the denominations in America, we're the ones with the second smallest percentage of young people, 18 to, to 35 year olds. Um, it, by the way, we have the largest percentage of retirees. So, for all of you retirees out there, thank you for being here. It's uh, great to have you. Really, really glad. So we still have a place to go. So, but a big piece of that question of why is it that we do oftentimes struggle with the younger generations, maybe a big piece of it is that when they ask the obvious questions, do we know how to give the obvious answers? Go ahead and, oh, we got it? Oh, oh, get it. Oh, good. Hey, man, y'all are so on top of this. Thank y'all. Man, Sarah and Mark, what would I do without them? No idea. So with this, and oh, that was totally me in that picture, by the way. I, absolutely, looking all. Yeah, exactly. Totally. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not a lie if everybody knows it's not right. Um, but go, go ahead and go to the next slide real quick. One of the things that we see in our gospel lesson this morning, and I want to tie this in with the Thessalonians passage. See, Jesus is being asked a question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar? Okay. Now, here's the thing with this. Okay. There is an, an, an answer is that, well, yes, you pay taxes because, well, they go towards roads and waterways and, you know, the fact that they were be beginning to have plumbing and also marketplaces and making sure that there were not marauders coming in to, you know, kill and steal and destroy and everything else. There was a reason for it. But here's the thing about this. Was it an honest question? You never want to actually answer a question that someone's asking you when it's in the middle of something political. If you ever hear a debate 
or anything where someone's discussing politics and one person asks somebody else a question, it's always a trap. There is never a time that somebody asks a question and they want an honest answer in regard to that. And that's exactly what we end up seeing here, is that the people that were there, they were trying to trip up Jesus. And they specifically had two groups of people that no matter what Jesus was going to say, it was somehow going to be wrong. Okay? Because let's say that Jesus acknowledged that, okay, well, you know, taxes, they go towards all these things. Let's say he said, yes, it is lawful to collect taxes. Well, then all the Pharisees that really didn't like the Roman government, what they were doing, well, then they were going to reject him because, oh, well, you're okay with Caesar and, and all this Roman government stuff. But now look at the other side of it. What if he said no? You know, it's like, well, we're of the kingdom of God. We, you know, we, we're not beholden to Rome, blah, blah, blah. Well, then the Herodians, the, the ones who basically were beholden to, they were loyal to Herod, who was governor over this area at the time under Rome, they would have reported him as being a rebel, as being someone who is trying to start a revolt. No matter what, they were trying to use this because in reality, the situation was obvious. Yes, we pay taxes because we're supposed to. No, we don't belong to Caesar in our hearts. But that's the thing with this, is that they were trying to trip him up to try to get him where they wanted him to go. And, and of course, what does he come out with? He says, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, give unto God what is God's. Because, yes, money goes towards what's needed, but your heart should always belong to God. Sometimes a question isn't really needed because things should be obvious. Like, if you are on, a, if, you're, if you're in the line that you're about to get onto a roller coaster, okay? This area, Terry was talking to you a little bit about that, right? We, we wrote that at Disney World. Apparently, Terry's a little braver than I am on some of those. But, you know, you get to the very end of the line right before the roller coaster, and let's say the person standing there looks at you and says, well, do you want to get on the ride? <laughs> well, maybe some people don't. That's it. There you go. Uh, but with it, though, is that it's sort of one of these obvious things that it's like, well, if you're there, it's because you want to get on the ride. Right, Lucas? Right? Yeah, exactly. And if you don't, You'll just go back. It's okay. You don't need to be asking the question. But oftentimes what is obvious is the thing that ends up making it the hardest. See, that's the thing with this is that we end up seeing that what was the most obvious was also what Paul was the most grateful for. The Thessalonians, when he had gone on to start this church in Thessalonica, and they were wanting the people there to not only know Christ, but to live that out in their life. The most obvious way to do that was through Paul himself. The most obvious thing was that Paul himself showed them the faith that he had. But you see, it was more than just what you were saying it was more than just this idea of, you know, talking about the gospel, but rather anything and everything that came from his life and the lives of those that he was traveling with. See, the thing is, is that they were more than happy to do anything and everything needed. If they needed to go and work someplace that they'd never been before and struggle to get whatever funding was needed, they did it. 
If they had to preach day and night, they did it. If they had to deal with the fact that if they spoke about their faith, that they might get arrested for it. And they did that. Did they check on other people, make sure that others who were in need were being helped? Absolutely. That was one of the first things that the church cared about is the widows, the orphans, the people who were in need. Paul says to them, We know that God has chosen you because our gospel came to you in word, in power, in spirit, with full conviction. It was so obvious that they not only loved God and were grateful for salvation, but that it changed their life. He didn't need to question it. But here's the thing about it. Does the world question us today? See, that's one of the things that's difficult is that as the church, are we actually so obvious in our faith that it stands out to anyone and everyone around us? Because what has the church become so well known for? The the church has become well known for, you know, despising education oftentimes. The church has been known for uh, fighting against one political group or another. The church has been known for whichever group it's supposed to hate or stand against. The church has been known for whether or not they are going to be saying one thing and living another. The church is known for... And somehow that list doesn't include the things that Jesus seemed to be about. And that's the hard part is that we are looking at a world where we're wondering how the next generation is going to come to know Jesus and why in the world would they want to follow him in the first place? What is it that we're showing them at all? And see, that's one of the pieces that I think oftentimes pastors lose sight of it is that the best thing that we can do as leading any congregation is to first stop and ask how are we personally living it in who we are. Is that if you can't stop and say, that Jason guy, I have seen and heard the gospel so clearly from him and from who he is and from what he does that it's obvious who we're supposed to be. If you can't start with that, then nothing else that I do is ever going to matter. And that's the same thing that we say for our community. We wonder why the community around us is struggling with its own identity. What is it that we're showing them? Our friends, we wonder why it is that we can't talk to them about God. Yeah, well, what is it that we're doing and saying in our life that would cause them to want to talk about God with us? Our kids, what do they see in us? Do they see the very pattern of what it is that they're going to live into? Or are they hoping that when they go to college, they'll find somebody out there that can show them a good idea? If we've wondered why it is that we've lost those around us, have we started with what was supposed to be obvious with us first? And that's the thing with this. Sometimes the most obvious thing is what should have never been asked in the first place. I, I was um, I, I was having a, a conversation. I was talking about like some of the different bands that I love. 
Okay. Now, I was born in 1980. Okay. So there are some bands that you have to obviously say that you love no matter what. You have to love Journey. Okay. Uh, right? Some Fleetwood Mac in there is a really good idea as well. Okay. Genesis. Okay. Uh, you're, you're no son of mine, but of course, you know, I can feel it coming in the air tonight. Okay. Anything with Phil Collins, I'm still so sad that he has gotten older because I haven't seen him in concert yet. I did get to see Sting. All right. It was pretty... I'm sorry, that guy's like 72, and I'm like, my dad could never do that. So, But one of the other pieces, though, is whether I like to admit it or not, I'm a Swifty. Yes, I know. I, I have to admit it. I have to be honest. Uh, that first album was kind of forgettable. I don't know why there were teardrops on her guitar, but nobody cared. Um, but the second album on, oh, man, it was pretty, pretty awesome and everything from then on. But you see, here's the thing. If you were to say, well, Jason, were you getting a ticket to Taylor Swift's concert? What's the obvious answer? No. I'm a 43-year-old man who doesn't have a wife or kids. I'm not going to a Taylor Swift concert. It is weird. But that's the thing about this, is that that should be how clear and obvious certain things should be from us. What is the first thing that should be coming off of our lips and from our hearts, knowing what's happening in the Middle East? The first thing should be, dear God, people are dying, please save them. The first thing should be, people don't have a home, please give them a place to be. Lord God, how can this end? All the other stuff, people are going to figure out all the politics and the military stuff themselves. Our first response our first response. What should be the first thing when we see that there are people that are on the side of the road and we know that they are struggling with one thing or another, that they either don't have a place to go or they don't have a job? And one of, one of the better parts is that like, we ended up having somebody like, who came here and is like, I'm from another country. I don't have a job. I'm about to have a kid. What do I do? And what I'm grateful to know is that as a church, we knew exactly where to send her, who to talk to, tell them, expect her to be there, help her to find something, get her over to a place to take your driver's license uh, test, and then following up to make sure that, that she's okay, that she can actually do that. That should always be the automatic answer. Right now, there are things in our lives that we're not automatically answering. They are not so obvious that people would automatically assume that about us. And that's hard. But it's also a new chance. Because here's the thing about this. Who gets to make the first choice about whether they want life to change? We're staring out there at the rest of the world. But where is the first place that any change actually starts? And that's the good part about this. Is that that's exactly where Christ is right now. Is that Christ is speaking into your life. And that's the thing with this. Is that you may have some pieces in your life where it is not obvious and clear that you proclaim that Christ Jesus has given you hope 
and love and mercy for the world around you. There may be some pieces when you look at that part of your life and you can't automatically say, it is clear who I follow. Guess what? You're forgiven. And God is still with you. Moving you. Changing you. Because that's the first step to changing any of the rest of this. Is the people that he has called to be his own. So when I say, do you believe in Jesus? Yes, the answer should be obvious. But also, let's ask, does anyone really need to even ask that of us in the first place? And if we're at a point where the answer is not obvious, then let's go back to God and let's ask, how can we be different so that that hope is obvious through us because it comes from Christ. Thanks be to God.